I think it's important to honor how you're made, but at the same time, not let yourself stay in your comfort zone just because it's comfortable, you know? I mean, and that's true with anything. I think that we need to be self-aware enough to know when we need a break or when we need our family time or when we need to pull back. But I think that the gospel life isn't meant to be all about us. It's not meant to be comfortable. It's not meant to, to keep us where it feels good all the time. You know, we're supposed mm-hmm. to be challenged. We're supposed to be doing, being out there and doing hard things. You're listening to the Upside Down Podcast, a place for unscripted conversations on life and faith. Join us as we discuss what it looks like when Jesus turns our lives upside down. Welcome to Upside Down. I'm tonight's host, Christy James, and tonight we're going to talk about radical hospitality. And I have to tell you, I've really been challenged by this topic lately. It feels like it's one of those things that is everywhere, and I can't wait to dig in. But first, we're so thankful for those of you who are listening and sending us feedback. That's been really fun and encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Super um, encouraging. Yeah, we had a couple iTunes reviews that we wanted to share. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have one by Sheherg. Shout out to Sheherg. <laughs> yeah, glad you're here. I wish I could be best friends with these women, intelligent, not afraid to really grapple with the truth. So excited to hear more of this podcast. Thank Mm. you so much. Yes, it's so sweet. And here's another one we have here titled Real Women Tough Stuff by Becca McA. And she says, real women asking real questions about real stuff that's been bouncing around in my head and heart for years regarding faith, Christianity, and how to truly be the hands and feet of Jesus. I appreciate that they're still working it out as they walk this journey with Christ and don't pretend to have all the answers, but are willing to dialogue about hard topics like felt safety, adoption, and race. It feels like I'm sitting in my living room having coffee with a couple of good friends when I listen. Wow. I love that. That is just, that is so sweet. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I love that. I keep hearing that consistently that people feel like they're actually sitting down and having a conversation with us. And that's like yeah. exactly what we wanted it to feel yes. like. So yes. it's super exciting. I think that yeah. kind of helps it like get off the podcast and into real life too, which is also what right. we want. Like we want yes. this to be uh, something that you can take into your life and say like, oh, maybe, maybe I should talk about this with my actual best friends, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so. I'm glad she caught we don't have all the answers. Right, right. I know. I, like I love that too. that too. For sure. That's As true. if that's hard to miss. <laughs> As if we're yeah. subtle about that. <laughs> right, right. Well, we would love it if those of you who are listening would continue to leave these reviews and ratings. It helps people find us. So that's really important. And it is encouraging, but primarily we want people to be able to find us when they're looking for us. So if you're listening on, especially an Apple device, I think it's pretty easy to go in and add your rating and review. You can do it online too, which can sometimes actually be a little bit easier. So please take time to do that if you can. We really appreciate it. So we realized as we were getting ready to record this, that this episode is going to air on election day, which... You guys, I wish, I, you know what? I wish we had one of those like radio show things where we could like press the button and play all right. the like, yes, like, right, <laughs> totally. <laughs> or I bet we could find like kid toys that could make most of those noises. I'm recording yeah. in our playroom, anyway. So, I'm sure there's an app for that. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we were thinking, I, I guess, you know, without revealing your, other than our wah-wah thoughts on the election, <laughs> pending the outcome, no matter what outcome you hope for, what is one passport stamp that you would be looking forward to getting? <laughs> After this election, is where do you want to flee to? Is my question. <laughs> yes. Mm. Well, I took an online quiz about this because I love online quizzes. I know I'm not the only one. After the election. Yes, I did. Oh my god, this is a That's thing. Hilarious. And so, my husband got Japan. <laughs> and I got Germany, so we're basically oh. like I guess we're basically World War Two. I don't know. I don't know why. That's sad. <laughs> and this is this is Kayla, by the way. I'll out myself. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I'll out myself. Wow, that's funny. But I feel like realistically, I'd go to Canada. Mm-hmm. I, we love we love I'm our neighbors totally neighbors to, to the north. Yeah. Yes. I, I would go this... to Ann Voss Camp's farm. I would oh, just camp man. out there. Oh, so no. She would take me in if I showed up. That is radical. Ho- that's radical again. hospitality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read this. Welcome. I read these yes. tweets from Canadians this week that were talking about how America I is is already great, and I was like, man, Canadians are the best. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was like they were just randomly tweeting these really yeah. nice things. Like it's really hey, great. Hang in there, guys. It's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, it was refreshing. I, it was yeah. refreshing. There's a lot of negative negativity this time around. Okay, who else? Yeah. Oh, Come I on. mean, I I actually have never. This is Shannon. I actually have never been to Canada either, or not either. I guess you said. I don't know if you if you guys said you had been. We've there never already, been, but never been. Yeah, me either. So I would really like to go. I mean, I would like to go overseas, but. With all my kids, it's, that feels like a real pain. <laughs> so Canada feels like the most logical. But if logic aside, I would like to go to Italy because I went there before. Mm. And there's so much Christian history there. But I was in college and I totally didn't appreciate it. I was really flaky. And so now I would like to go back and, and learn a little yeah. bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, my passport only has one stamp in it because I've only left the country once and it was to go to Mexico. So I feel like it doesn't really count. But I would like to experience cold weather. So I don't know. I might join you guys on your Canada bandwagon and hang out at the boss camp farm. That actually sounds pretty nice. (laughs) Doesn't it? It sounds like a retreat. I've always always wondered, like, what's the deal with the farmer? Like, who is the farmer? The farmer. (laughs) Like, to know more about this. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring, oh my gosh! I'll I can bring tell the you pastor. all you want to know. <laughs> who was it that went? There was some Christian author who wrote about. Gosh, who was that? About the time she spent with Ann Voskamp on her farm, and I was like, "Wait, you got to go there?" I don't know, Lori. Where would you go? What? <laughs> I would go to Canada. I would go to Ann Voskamp's farm. Oh, did you say that's that where I'd go? Yeah, that's. I would totally go there. Christy, have you? Because she would take me in because I'm a refugee. She would. She would, absolutely, in the best way. I have not answered. She's precious. I would go to France because I Mm. minored in French, and even though I barely remember anything, well, that's not true. I remember things. I just can't pronounce them correctly anymore. But I've been thinking about wanting to go over there in the next few years, so it would just be a Parisian escape. Sounds good. That sounds very fancy. <laughs> so many baguettes. <laughs> so many baguettes. Mm. Um, lots of little berets and 
scarves. <laughs> this is so this very stereotypical. We're I'm so sorry. cliche. Okay. <laughs> well, today, happy election day. Yes, Woo-hoo. happy election day. Let's America. All, right, America. <laughs> okay. I mean, I feel like today's topic, which is radical hospitality, is a nice answer to all negativity. And so, mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about this today. And I guess my first. I just I have a quick story that um, to share. So I went to the Gospel Coalition Conference, the Women's Conference, last June. It was in Indianapolis, which is my hometown. And I ended up kind of rooming with a friend last minute, and she was gracious enough to take me in. And she, when I got there, she's like, oh, my husband has all of these hotel reward points, so we can go to the hospitality suite on the 17th floor. And I was like, oh, this is hey. so exciting. <laughs> so I felt very fancy. And we, you know, we would go up there every now and then if we were hungry. They had snack, they had, you know, breakfast out in the morning, they had coffee out all day. You could, you know, open the fridge and grab like a soft drink or a water anytime. They had like Chex Mix and that kind of stuff out. And so, you know, it was it was fun and fancy, but it was interesting to me that they were calling it the hospitality suite. I know we have this whole hospitality industry, but when I thought about the fact that it was called the hospitality suite, I looked around and I was like, this is kind of cold. Like it's, you know, it's kind of factory, <laughs> yeah. like it's like, you know, dorm room furniture and these snacks are great and I'm super thankful for them. And I like being able to come in here and get them for quote unquote free. But this is very general. And when I think when I think about hospitality, it's just so not the picture that I have. So mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting to me just to see this like, you know, big important hospitality suite and then to think about that compared to what I'm what I picture when I think of hospitality. So mm-hmm. I guess I have a couple questions just that I'd love to hear you guys work through. So here are a couple of them you can kind of answer as you feel like it. But what makes someone hospital hospital? What makes someone <laughs> hospitable? <laughs> and what are some things that a hospitable person offers? Ooh. So I have kind of two people that come to mind. And the first is someone whose home I have visited and and I thought to myself, I think this person has the gift of hospitality. And I was thinking that because I was feeling very comfortable. It was a really, really nice house. And there was the the towels had been set out. And I think, you know, she just, she had the shower stocked with fresh shampoo and conditioner and soap and all of that stuff. And anyway, it was everything I needed was there. And it was a very clean, spotlessly clean home. But the more I got to know this person, I realized that hosting people actually really stresses her out. And so I came, I came to kind of see it differently as like, she's, she's doing her best, but it's definitely not something that she would identify as her gift. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, I have this friend, Haley, hi Haley, if you're listening, who Mm -hmm. is, does not consider herself a home, like an excellent homemaker. You know, she's, you know, she's more prone to have things like laying around, like cooking is harder for her, but she does it, you know, it's just doesn't come as naturally. And she's not a very, she's not like a neat freak, you know, it just, it's just not as much her thing, but she loves having people in her home. And she's always either having people living with them or coming to visit and staying a while or just coming over like to hang out at night. I mean, just constantly. And people love being in her home because she loves having them there. And so right. there's like these two discrepancies to me mm-hmm. of, of what 
I naturally would think of as hospitality, but then what when I think about it a little harder, I really actually experience as as hospitality or, or what comes more naturally for the person and is a life-giving thing for them. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think for me, I, I just from my own my own experience in hosting people because we have a church plant, we host everything all the time. And I'm, I am prone to want to get the house spotless, fix a great meal, you know, and try new recipes and decorate the table and yell at the kids all day before everyone gets there and then try to enjoy dinner (laughs) once everybody arrives. But I find Mm -hmm. that when I do that, I don't have the energy for my company. Mm -hmm. So as much as I detest it when someone just drops by and people do that all the time, I find that when they leave, I am glad they came mm-hmm. because I didn't prepare. I wasn't expecting them and I had the energy to put forth into that relationship during that little bit of time they were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one time I was visiting, this is Christy, by the way, I was visiting this um, very dear woman who I didn't know that well, but um, I knew enough people who really loved her to know that she was very dear. And she told me that one of her spiritual gifts over the course of her life, she was older than me, is was having a clean house. And that's <laughs> not something that I can relate to. <laughs> not that my house is like a pig pen, but it's just, I have to remember to clean. It's mm-hmm. not, I'm not one of those people that enjoys it. So I remember sitting there, like she went, she kind of went on and on about it. And I was like, man. Well, and you could come let her do your own house. I know, like, let her right? do yeah. your own house. It's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exercise your gift in my home. But I finally figured out later that I think what bothered me about it is that in the time, in the whole conversation, she was kind of saying, like, she was very focused on her. And it was sort of that here I am mentality rather than a mm-hmm. there you are mentality. And I've heard other people use that phrasing. So what I do you ever heard that? You I haven't? really, really like yeah, that. Yeah, me either. Okay. So, well, that's perfect. So what, as you like <laughs> think through that, what do you like about it? The here I am versus there you are. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I feel like, I feel like that? there you are is saying, Hey, I see you. You're seen. You're here with me. You know what I mean? Like we're together. Mm-hmm. Here I am is like, welcome to the Kayla show. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, especially interesting in light of talking about our spiritual gifts, you know, because spiritual gifts are supposed to be for the edification of the body. They're right. supposed to be about others and not about ourselves. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It gets mm-hmm. a little tricky. I mean, you know, because you're, I think, you know, you're saying, what do I have to offer? Well, it is okay to offer a clean home, but, but that those kinds of things are different than like, what do I have to offer in terms of connecting with you? as my brother or sister and I think that does get a little it's a there's a little bit of a disconnect there Mm -hmm. there's no mutuality it's Mm -hmm. not we're coming together it's this is me and this is what I am doing Mm -hmm. you know for you yeah this is what I'm doing for you yeah with you but I'm I fall into that and I'm ashamed to even admit it but this is Lori, but yeah, I fall into, look at what I'm doing for you. I worked all day long mm-hmm. to clean the house and I fixed mm-hmm. you a meal and look at the table. Isn't it nice? <laughs> and by the way, I don't have any energy to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that reminds me, like, is it a Mary Martha thing? You know, mm-hmm. would that be an example of radical hospitality, inviting Jesus into her home and then sitting there and talking to him rather than mm-hmm. thinking about serving him constantly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I, I think it's a thought. I think about like kind of the here I am versus there you are is 
if you're saying here I am, it's kind of like elevating yourself and putting yourself on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. But the there you are is more of like a comfort, like just a comfort level to be able to sit with someone and engage them and appreciate them. And it's funny because Christy, as you were telling your story, I was thinking of an older woman who I know who shared with me that she when she was younger and had little kids and they were doing ministry, they'd done ministry in the U.S. and they've done ministry overseas. But I think when they were in the U.S. in particular, she used to have young moms over to her house. So moms that were younger than her Mm -hmm. and her, she would purposefully not clean her house before Mm -hmm. they came over. her, Her ministry, I know her ministry, she told me was to show young moms that you can have a messy house. Like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great so she, ministry. Yeah. I'm going to have that like, didn't clean. I know. it's. I kind of like to claim that too, but I don't think that's what mine is. But my house is messy regardless. Um, but I think just that comfort level of, you know, being comfortable with your dishes piled up in the sink and mm-hmm. really showing, mm-hmm. like, who you are to the other person. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So just the think- level of intimacy there. That's a good point, Lindsay. Thanks for sharing that. Something that I've been thinking about a lot because I feel like, man, like I feel like I can't, I don't have a lot to say about hospitality and especially about radical hospitality. And so I'm really excited to, to dive into this. But what I've been thinking about for me, what keeps me from opening my doors, and this is Kayla, perfection, mm-hmm. kind of this idea mm-hmm. of perfection. And I think with that idea of perfection, two things stem from that. And one is disobedience. So it's saying what I think you might think is more important than just loving my neighbor as myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I think the second thing that comes from perfection is isolation. And it's this idea of kind of this here I am, that image of self over there you are, the image of God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of separates, it separates that perfection. Like I have to have everything put together before I can open my doors. It's like this us versus them mentality. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know. I just think that we may think we're being obedient and being hospitable when we invite others in, you know, when we're doing this kind of like perfection thing. But going back to what Lindsay was saying, we're, not only deceiving others, but we're kind of deceiving ourselves. And that's, that's damaging to other people because they Mm -hmm. think, oh, they have it all together. They're perfect. And then there's no authentic relationship in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, I will say that as someone who's sort of on the other side where like, I definitely have my own battles of with perfectionism, but like I said, like making sure that my house is super clean is not necessarily something that I worry about when I'm having people over, but I can get pretty self-righteous on the other hand, like sort of like here I am in a different way. Like, well, here I am, (laughs) you know, like you want to see the real me and there's Mm. my laundry and look at me because I invited somebody into my house with a big pile of laundry on the chair. (laughs) Um, And there is, you know, sometimes that's, sometimes my intention is good. Like sometimes my intention is to be like, Hey, actually I want you to be be comfortable here. And part of that is showing like, I'm not going to, go completely crazy right before you come over. I want you to see what my house looks like if you were to just drop by. I guess what I'm saying is having a messy house is not necessarily more hospitable, you know? Yeah. But it doesn't they're they're not 
automatically equated because I know I can be sort of high and mighty about, well, I'm not going to clean for you to come over because, you know, I, I can take pride in that too. And by the way, my house isn't a disaster all the time. But yeah, so I just want to make sure that we aren't setting up that kind of false dichotomy. Like people who are really, you know, good about keeping their house clean and tidy and, you know, whatever are not authentic and hospitable and people with messy houses are automatically, you know? Right, mm-hmm. right. So let's I, talk- think, I think it's the heart, yes. you know what I mean? Like what is our heart behind this? Are we yeah. bolstering ourselves or are mm-hmm. we just trying to be welcoming and gracious? Mm-hmm. So what, let's define hospitality. I mean, what does that, re- what does that even mean just on its own? Mm, Lori, I think for me, what I think about, like I've thought about this so much for the last couple of years because it really pushes against everything that that I am and my sin nature bent to be. Hospitality just, oh, I just, I can, it's terrible for me. It's really, really hard. It's super hard. But for me, over the last couple of years, I've realized that hospitality is the posture that my heart takes when it is bent to receive others. And it, mm-hmm. it's everyone. It's whoever knocks on my front door. It's whoever is in my side yard. It is the posture my heart takes to receive them in the condition that they are and in the condition that I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I don't know that we need to add anything to that. <laughs> no. We're just straight up breathe. Okay. Well, I thought about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Right. So this is important. So when we, we, like for the title of this episode, it's not just hospitality, it's radical hospitality. So what do we mean by that? Why are we putting mm-hmm. radical in front of it? Mm-hmm. So think- maybe we, de- we define hospitality, but how do we define radical? Mm-hmm. Well, I know. Well, I think when we think of hospitality, like when we think about the general population thinks hospitality is entertaining. Mm -hmm. So to put the word radical in front of it already denotes a different definition. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's going to assume that there's something different about this hospitality that we are accustomed to thinking is entertaining. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it goes back to what Lori said her definition of hospitality is. It's having a heart that's bent towards whoever shows up regardless of their state and regardless of your state, you know, because I think Mm -hmm. it has become kind of a buzzword, but it's more of the like, is it comfortable for me? Is it on my timetable? Is it within my, you know, budget or whatever? Like we've made it this buzzword and this cool thing, but it's still all about us. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying Mm -hmm. is, no, it's not. It's, it's not about us, and it's really not even about you. It's about obedience. Mm-hmm. It's uh, about allowing yourself to be interrupted. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Being interrupted, and then and then allowing that, regardless of of your you know situation, and regardless of the state that the person who's come to you is in. It's it's being open and welcoming to that. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what makes it different than just like the world's definition of hospitality or what mm-hmm. people mean when they throw that word around. Wouldn't it be great if when we watched HGTV, they were they would walk around saying, well, it's really important to us that we have a great space for hospitality instead of, I mean, I feel like everyone right. says they went to entertain. I'm like, who talks about yes. that in real life? I don't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. I have heard this, I think, five different places in the last five weeks from different sources. This word radical, I actually first heard it from my husband during a sermon, so that's convenient, (laughs) comes from, I think it's the Latin word radix, which 
means at the root or the core or the center. It's the same word that we get like radius or even a radish, I think it comes from the same root mm-hmm. word. And so it's sort of, it means like at the core, at the center is this reality. And then everything else flows out of that, which I feel like is what we're saying about that, you know, mm-hmm. that idea of radical hospitality. So, you know, more than hospitality that we do, it's hospitality that we are, or like we are the B versions. So how does that change things when we start thinking about it, you know, in terms of how we are to be who we are at the core and what flows out of that versus how presentable our houses should be? Well, my first thought is just this phrase of living a life of welcome, where there is something about your countenance that is welcoming to other people. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more about who you are and your willingness to say yes and invite someone in than it is about the place that you invite them in to. I think when the Lord is drawing anyone, he's not just drawing them to a home. He's drawing them to the people in the home, like his presence within that home and those people. And I think that that is the root of hospitality is when you embody like the Holy Spirit within you and, and people are naturally drawn to that. Mm-hmm. And your willingness to welcome them in, in full knowledge that it's not you that they're being drawn to. It's the Holy Spirit within you. And so to not welcome them in is to be disobedient mm-hmm. and rob them of the mm-hmm. opportunity to sit in the presence of God. So let's talk about, let's talk about hospitality in scripture a little bit. Do you guys have passages in like the old and the new Testament that come to mind when you think about, or I guess that inform your biblical or radical hospitality. I'm always thinking about Isaiah 58. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the first one that came to mind, which maybe I'll try to mention it every episode. Um, <laughs> It'll be like Christy, Christy, <laughs> and Justin Timberlake. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, just God saying, like, this is what I want. This is what it means to follow me. And that verse seven is to bring the poor and homeless into your house, to clothe mm-hmm. the naked, mm-hmm. you know, share your bread with the hungry. So mm-hmm. I just don't, it just doesn't get any more explicit than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that one always comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are, like, when you look at in the Old Testament, I should know the actual words, but I don't. But like the, like God laid out for his people, basically like rules for the community for mm. like best practices, basically. And mm-hmm. it always included taking care of the people right. kind of outside of your house, you know, yeah. like always, yeah. whether it's leaving, you know, extra food or welcoming people in. And it just, that's like the standard, you know, like the baseline mm-hmm. for God's people has always been provide for the people around you, you know? Yeah. What about in the New Testament? I mean, when I think about the New Testament, I just think about how Jesus was reliant upon the hospitality of others, you know? And so his, you know, he even sent his disciples out saying, like, don't take anything with you and, you know, expect to be cared for. So there was this expectation that the message and the, you know, Jesus's message and the gospel was going to be carried forward and sort of the avenue that that was going to take place was like through the hospitality of other people who were willing to take them in and care for them and feed for them and 
So it's just kind of, it's just gently woven throughout, you know, that doesn't even necessarily read in, in the Gospels. But just like they stayed at this person's place or they stayed at this person's place, you know, they're kind of always mm-hmm. on the move, but they always had a place and they always had, they were always cared for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Hebrews 13, I mean, we actually see hospitality, you know, right in there when it says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Mm-hmm. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really don't need to add any commentary to that. <laughs> no. Pretty much it all. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, I also think in scripture, I mean, I don't have a, a specific reference, but we have the Trinity and that's, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that's like another one of those just sort of, I mean, when we consider what that means that the Father, Son and Holy Spirit are in constant community that should, mm-hmm. I mean, community and hospitality are so interconnected, but we should be, yeah. that should inform our relationships and our community and yeah I think that's really important mm-hmm. so we had someone Christy I'm going off topic a little bit but we had someone mention how do we do hospitality as someone who is introverted mm-hmm. yeah. and so I am not an this is Kayla I'm not an introvert but I would love to hear from those of you who are as to people who are out there listening like so so what does this mean as someone that might be mm-hmm. kind of challenging Mm. Yeah, I was thinking about, am I the only introvert? Christy, are you an introvert? Nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm an introvert. <laughs> no way. Lori, are you? Absolutely. 100%. Like, off the charts, <laughs> introvert. Oh, so so when I say hospitality is hard for me, it's super hard. Oh, yes. and you're the one that has, like, 50 kids in your yard every day. Every you're day. You're always doing it. Which, by the mm-hmm. way, I feel like you need to talk about the experience of laying down the basketball court. And because, I yeah, like, let's talk about that yeah. in a minute. But go ahead, Shannon. Oh, the introvert thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know someone asked on Instagram and I was like, me. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't really know. I don't really have a lot of specific things to say. I mean, I think I think it's important to to honor how you're made, but at the same time, mm-hmm. not let yourself stay in your comfort zone just because it's comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and that's true with anything. I think mm-hmm. that that we need to to be self-aware enough to know when we need a break or when we need our family time or when we need to pull back. But I think that, you know, the gospel life isn't meant to be all about us. It's not meant to be comfortable. It's not meant to to keep us where, where it feels good all the time. You know, we're mm-hmm. supposed to be challenged. We're supposed to be doing, being out there and doing hard things. So yeah, for me, it's sort of been a constant, I don't know, a constant ebb and flow of different seasons. It'll be more intense. And then in other seasons, for whatever reason, I'll feel the need to pull back. I don't know. I mean, I know Lori's been in a season of intense hospitality for quite a while now. Lori, how do you find, like, figure out when you need to pull back? I think I'm just learning to kind of live with it as it's just obedience. I think it's Mm -hmm. obedience. Mm -hmm. And we really don't pull back on it. And our commitment to our neighborhood is if someone knocks on the door, we respond mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. all the time. And so we don't, we 
I don't recall any times recently we've turned anyone away for any reason at all. And the, the kids in our neighborhood go home when it's dark, you know, naturally, because mm-hmm. it's a school night. But And when you say kids in your neighborhood, you're not talking like the little boy and little girl across the street. <laughs> like, you're talking about, like, a gaggle of like kids. Like 15 teenagers. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, and we have parents who drive by, drop a load off, and go home. Wow. I mean, we have, last week we had 30 kids here almost every day. So and you and you feed them, not every day, but last week we did because yeah. the school was out. School um, was out. Yeah. yeah, today it was just a normal school day, so they, I didn't feed them anything. They didn't even get a snack. No one asked. <laughs> get a snack, but there was maybe fifteen kids here today. So yeah, with I think for me, I retreat into the home, mm-hmm. and it's not true rest because I know people are here, and I'm anticipating someone knocking on the door and needing something. But I'm just learning to kind of cope with it and know that this is what God is asking of me right now. Mm-hmm. And people will not argue with me about that, but say, I think you're wrong. I think this is not good for your family or I'm worried about you. I think you're tired. And all I can say is that I think I think as believers, we do get tired when more of us, more of us are not running our races. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm saying when someone says, what do you need? And I say, we need another family to move into the neighborhood. I sincerely mm-hmm. mean that because we Amen. need more shoulders to carry the burden. Mm-hmm. And not that I, not just so that I can stop mm-hmm. <laughs> because right. I don't think I'm called to stop. I think no. right. we don't have enough help, literally. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. I will just add to that, that I think for us, I am on the introvert extrovert scale. I'm very slightly extroverted, but I say that my kids take all of that up. So by the time, <laughs> by the time I I'm done, that. like, meeting their needs I'm an introvert Mm -hmm. so but I think I just try to think about sustainability like I want to be in my neighborhood for the long haul like Mm -hmm. I want to be here but I if I burn out like I'm no good to anybody you know and so one of the things that helps kind of keep me grounded in that way is to take four hours of solitude once a week and it's just me and I'm completely by myself and I find that if I know that's coming, mm-hmm. like I can, I can look forward to it. I can anticipate Ooh. it. I can almost like, like store up my introvertedness until those four hours, you know, <laughs> and I can be an extrovert the other time. And I think too, it helps my husband's actually truly introverted, but I think it helps even having like a partner in that way. So if somebody knocks on our door and I've had a really rough day with the kids and then I can like say, okay, you're it, go answer, you know, you can Mm -hmm. answer the door and take care of that person or whatever. And he can do the same thing when he's had an overwhelming, you know, maybe a lot of just people interaction and needs a break. So I think it's just like has already been said, but just being aware of yourself and what you need, but then also like balancing that with the obedience of God's called me to these things and to this place, but I want to be here for the long haul and I want to do it well, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. is, is important too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like one thing that I've learned just in hearing both of you, I mean, all of you, but especially Lindsay and Lori talk, Lori, you've mentioned this specifically is that you, your policy basically is to say yes. And that looks like different things, like not just a right. blanket, you know, I mean, you're not, you're being, you're being wise, but, um, yeah. But that, I feel like my reaction is so, like, it's the yeah, but, you know, like, Uh so here's the request. Okay, well, but yeah, and here's the request, but yeah, but I don't know. 
Whereas, you know, if I think about what it looks like, yeah, what it looks like if I just were to say my blanket answer is yes, and then we'll figure it out. That actually, that feels Mm -hmm. way, way, way more gospel oriented to me than my, oh, let's make sure that we, you know, have um, evaluated every angle. And I just, I really, I am thankful for the picture of your like your commitment and your passion, I guess, to hospitality I, in that specific way. You right. know? I, I feel like I need to say this. I don't always, my obedience does not always come with a good attitude. <laughs> like it's right. like, yes. are you yeah. freaking kidding me? Mm-hmm. It, it comes with that a lot of times. But I, I mean, I feel like, I feel like the Lord's promise to me is in your obedience, I'm going to change your heart. And he mm-hmm. has already changed my heart. I've been here five years. We mm-hmm. haven't just moved in. We've been here five years years. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a slow process of eroding who I used to be and, and making me this new person. And in five more years, I won't be this person. Mm-hmm. I will probably have a better heart towards it. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I think we are called to obedience, whether we want to do it or not. Mm-hmm. And we can, God can take the nasty attitude. He's mm-hmm. asking for our obedience because it's for our good and it's for the good of the other person. And it's for the good of our community. And it's for the glory of him, despite my attitude. You know, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. find that in my obedience, he is faithful to change it. Mm-hmm. So, right. yeah, come visit oh. me in two years. I'll be like a lot better than I am today. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something we keep saying is obedience, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just like this refrain. And I think something I'm hearing from a lot of us is that hospitality doesn't always come supernaturally to a lot of us like Mm -hmm. it's not something that's really easy for us but it's something that we are called to do and it's an act of obedience and I was hearing Lindsay and Lori I echo Christy I just love soaking up your wisdom and I think for listeners that might not be familiar with um, your stories and your hearts and your ministry is that you don't just wait for people to come to you. Like you're there Mm -hmm. and that's hospitality is not just like, well, if somebody comes, I guess (laughs) we'll help them out. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I say it all the time. It's like, it's called the ministry of presence. And I joke about it because the teachers at school are like, why do you live over there? What are y'all doing? And I'm like, it's my ministry of presence. And they mm-hmm. say, well, why don't you just get a regular job? You could actually do something. And I'm like, well, oh, I got a real job that I couldn't gosh. be present in my community. Oh, and yeah. me being present in my community is what mm-hmm. God's asked me to do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if I can, if I can keep my niece and nephew and earn the money that we have to have to survive so that mm-hmm. I can stay in my community, then that's what I want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Hey, can you just tell us quickly about mm-hmm. the basketball court? Because I feel like that is like one really cool picture of how God can provide you the means to be hospitable. Yeah. So we've, we've known forever that we needed a basketball goal, like a paved area because the only places right here to play are in the street. Mm. And we put up a basketball goal in the middle of the street when we first moved in and it, wait, did you say basketball goal? Yeah. Like a goal. Okay. Like a a goal. (laughs) Is that a Southern thing? I would call it a goal. I would would call it a goal. Basketball hoop. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. You are not a part of the ACC tournament. <laughs> I can totally call it a goal. That's okay. It's like Big 12 or Big out. 10 speaking. Yes. There. Yes. We put it out in the street, and it was great. But it, we have a lot of drug activity in our neighborhood and a lot of gang activity. 
So it just, because there weren't adult eyes on it and there was no, it kind of belonged to whoever was down there playing. We had a lot of issues. So for the last couple of, I guess, maybe 18 months, we began to pray that the Lord would just give us the money for the basketball goal. And last Christmas, I had some blog readers say, hello, I have X number of dollars and we want to donate it to your ministry. What do you need? And I'm like, we need a basketball goal. I just meant like two goals. And we ended up with some money. And then a youth group or a church from Maine was going to come in this summer and they wanted to do some work. And we were like, we need like a court. Like we want to do a court with two goals or whatever. And so we gave them like the bare minimum of what we needed. And they put up a court with two goals and it's lit. So when I say the neighbors are here all the time, they're here past dark. I mean, it's, it's crazy, but it gave us a safe place for the younger kids in our neighborhood to come and play. But we had some rules where the kids who have been playing here for years have some ownership in it. Mm -hmm. And so now they've begun to, you know, uphold the rules of the family or or our yard or our community. And, and, you know, teach the kids who don't know, hey, you can't do that here. Like, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so it's become the community knows it's theirs. And if we're not here, they can come play. And it's it's awesome. I think it's probably the best thing we did since moving in. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I love that. It's really great. It's really great. One last note. Unless, does anybody else have anything to add? No. Well, I just, okay. I had, yeah, I um, I just wanted to say, like, I think a lot of times we feel like, we can't do this because, and I loved in Shannon Martin's book, Falling Free, she actually mentions this, like, like feeling like we either are, our house is too nice for hospitality or our house is not nice enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like we can be self-conscious about either spectrum, mm-hmm. um, but, but all of that is garbage. Like that is not what's important about it. But what, one thing that I love this experience that we had of a few years ago, we were living in, in a town in Texas and we were just had moved there and didn't know anybody. We had been there about six months probably by by this time, and we were in a really hard place with our oldest son. This is Shannon, and just really lonely, incredibly lonely. And we found a Catholic worker house of hospitality in our town, and it was run by three single guys who were all even younger than us. And so there, they were definitely motivated by their faith, but everyone in the home, in the house, what were homeless or battling their own addictions or different different problems that people were struggling with. Majority of them were homeless, and they would come there and cook or shower during the day or take naps in a safe spot or things like that, and then it would close up at night. Anyway, so that became probably the most hospitable place that I've ever been. Like we were so welcomed and it was in a season of our lives when we were so completely dry (laughs) and just really, really desperate for companionship and, and for human connection. We were just had become really, really isolated due to our circumstances. And so it became this beautiful picture to me of this community that was almost, almost entirely the disenfranchised and they were the ones that for us who had all of the all of the advantages of the in the world right they were Mm -hmm. the ones that were hospitable to us they were community to us and like Mm -hmm. I said the culture of it was set by by these three catholic men but it was just a really beautiful picture of being embraced and it flipped the whole paradigm that we have of hospitality upside down of of Mm -hmm. it being like something that the rich offer the 
pour Mm -hmm. out of our, you know, out of the goodness of our hearts or whatever. And that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. You know, it can Mm -hmm. be the one that we're in need of, of hospitality. And so we seek out a community or, you know, it's not like you're probably not going to go knock on someone's door, but, but just being humble enough to say, we need it too. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and we might find it in unlikely places, you know, and, and just being open to that. And so I love that of like, whoever's listening, do not feel self-conscious that your house isn't big enough to hold enough people or nice enough Mm -hmm. to host a dinner party. Like, that is not the heart of hospitality and whatever mm-hmm. you have is enough. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the message of the gospel, right? Is that mm-hmm. he takes our loaves and fish and he makes something beautiful with it. Amen. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I feel like there's so much more to say on this. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, this is, I mean, with all of these topics, I feel like we're intentionally kind of just scratching the surface wanting to get, you know, ourselves and other people thinking through this kinds of thing, these kinds of things. And we'd love to hear, your thoughts on this. So please feel free to share with us. We love hearing your comments. As we wrap up, we want to talk quickly about something that's also sort of related to hospitality, but not necessarily related, but I want to know what you guys are cooking this week or what's something that you have offered to somebody hospitably, or what are your favorite recipes? (laughs) Lots of options. Or, or. <laughs> um, I'll go first. This is Lindsay. So I've mentioned in a previous episode that we have what we call family dinner at our house on Sundays. And so we just open our home up to our neighbors and whoever wants to come for dinner. And we always pick a theme. And so this week's theme is chili because I'm craving fall and I'm not going to get to experience it <laughs> so, in Miami. We eat chili and sweat while we eat it, but it'll be <laughs> so I'm really, I'm looking forward to having chili. Hmm. Maybe you could like crank the AC down for just an hour. So I like Lindsay too. This is Lori, but I'm cooking. I've made like six pots of soup in the last month. Mm-hmm. Still been in the eighties. But, you know, I mean, it's October. So we're having our small group from church, which is our small group from church is our whole church, basically. Mm-hmm. So our whole church is coming over Sunday night, and we're doing chili, too. But I do Rachel Ray's buffalo chicken chili, and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that it's, like the best, it's the best chili ever. So I've made that. And I've also made Pioneer Women's tomato bisque soup recently, which is super good and super easy. But mm-hmm. soup is so easy, and you can stretch it. Like if you're having a big, yes. a lot of people come in, you can do a lot of soup for not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just so warm and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And you just grab a bowl. Yeah, I love that. It's like a hug well, from the inside out. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is back, brought to you by Chili. Right. <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, one thing I've been making like every week for the past, probably two or three months is quiche. Do you guys do a lot of quiche? Ooh, it's yes. so easy. I do I, frittatas. I'm with you on this. I feel like they're super underrated. Continue. Right. Yeah. No, I like buy the, you know, pre-made pie crust, the Pillsbury kind. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't play around with that, but <laughs> we, we've been getting these CSA boxes every week. And so I have all these vegetables that I don't know what to do with. And so pretty much anything, any vegetable tastes good in a quiche. You just put, yeah. you know, cream or and yogurt and yep. cheese, eggs, and it's awesome. You cannot mm-hmm. mess it up. Mm-hmm. I have never made a quiche or a frittata. This is Kayla. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You need to give it a go. I I guess because eggs are cheap too. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. Um, well, I was going to say at our book club, somebody made, I didn't make this, but somebody made something called Sopapilla Cheesecake. Oh, Have you yeah. guys heard I of that? That, is. that yes, sounds amazing. It is so good. And she gave us the recipe and it's so easy. So maybe we'll put the recipe, uh, some of our favorite recipes mm-hmm. on our show notes. Yeah, definitely. That's a, good idea. That's a good yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have this, uh, this is Christy. I have this dream of being a muffin family where I bake a bunch of muffins and then like the kids eat them for breakfast before school and I deliver them to people in my little muffin basket. Um, (laughs) And so I have been trying to make really healthy muffins and my kids don't eat them. So I finally settled on, my friend gave me this blender. It's a, it's a banana bread recipe that you use the blender and it is, I mean, it's got like a cup of sugar in it. I try to cut that oh, back. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but I've just, my, my kids are finally muffin kids. So I've been working on that. And I, my intention. Because you can like hide babies in it or something. <laughs> yeah, I've been making pumpkin ones. I've been making banana ones. I haven't like hidden squash or anything like that in there. Mm. I could. Mm-hmm. But I really, that's like one of those things that I, I have. When I make muffins, I think about my neighbors. And then we often eat them before I actually pass them out. <laughs> so my intention is to make like a double batch. And just, I've done this before. Like just drop them off on people's porches. So I'll share one of my favorite uh, muffin recipes. Because that's, that's, yeah, that's been a good one lately. Mm. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Upside Down Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes on our website, which is www.upsidedownpodcast.com. You can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Upside Down Podcast, as well as Twitter and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Upside Down Podcast. Feels weird, but it sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. Yeah, just put some music behind it. It'll be okay. I thought it sounded good. I thought it sounded good, too. Okay. Anybody else have anything they want to add? No? Okay.